Matthew with the Tractor Boom Comics Review on the Ion Cannon Podcast, part of the Star Wars Underworld Podcast Network. We've got three books this week. First up, High Republic Adventures, The Nameless Terror, number one, written by George Mann, art by Eduardo Mella, cover by Ornella Savarese. Even in the shining light of the High Republic, there are shadows lurking in the galaxy. A Jedi mission to the planet Dalna suddenly becomes under attack by unknown assailants. As the knights retreat to an ancient structure, it quickly becomes clear that they are far from safe. Something evil stalks the ruins. A ruthless predator. An unknown terror. A nameless fear. I don't know how this description fits with the book, but that's okay. That happens. Previews world. Who knows what. Um, another thing I hadn't realized before I go into the actual story. Uh, I hadn't realized how much George Mann has written for Phase 2. Uh Battle of Jedi, Quest for the Hidden City, all the uh, insider short stories. You know this the Nameless Terror. Uh, yeah, he's uh, he's done a lot, and and that shows in this comic. He's able to bring in Rock, the uh, Jedi ma- Master that we're introduced to in uh, Quest for the Hidden City. Also, there's an, a new character named Corin who is a Padawan in this. Uh, this leads to the the framing device with Ty York. Interestingly, I say this phase two. Kyoric, during phase one, the era, um, you know, is used as a framing device and it doesn't feel like so much like phase one. It just feels like a later time period. Kind of gets what Joel is saying about higher public being an era, a time period, as opposed to a public, the publishing initiative. This, including Kyoric in this feels more like that, interestingly enough. Also, I say it's a framing device. It feels more natural than, say, the framing devices in High Republic, or not High Republic, in Star Wars Adventures, like, um, I don't know, the, the Tales of Villainy, or or uh, even um, the other young reader comics that IDW and Dark Horse have put out. I think because Tyork is, is a new character, too, relatively, her story isn't finished yet. We're, we're, I'm more, we're invested in it. Those who have read phase one are invested in it um and also it feels more natural because it names her training lineage it sets us more in the story uh koran trained her master who trained her of course but he's a padawan in this story and so yeah it feels more like she's remembering something she's being told because of course this is a story that she's being told this isn't you know i mean you know, other stories, you know, Anakin and Obi-Wan, or, or who knows who, Vader, whoever, looking back on the Clone Wars, I don't know. Um, <laughs> this just felt more natural. Uh, the story itself, yeah, I don't quite know how the, the whole ancient structure and all that, but because they're, they're, they crash in a ship, and I guess that's Dalna, the book doesn't say. Uh, okay, I've done criticism. I enjoyed this. This was actually a pretty intriguing first issue. For uh, a young reader story, but clearly it's gonna be uh, gonna be on verging on the, the young reader horror aspect uh, as anything to do with the nameless is going to do. Um, you know, but uh, you know, I actually I, I like Coron in this. He's quite relatable. Uh, just you know, George Mann is do, does a pretty good job of writing these younger characters who are maybe up for adventure, just just like. Um, uh, Rupert in, in Quest for the Hidden City. Out for adventure, but quickly learn, no, wait a minute, there's 
uh, or actually no, in this one it's the opposite, where Koran tells Rock, I think it's Rock, or, or maybe another master, we're we going to do not meditate, and then the master says, no, we're going to go out for adventure. It's it's interesting opposite. It's whatever the situation needs in the moment, confronting fear as the legacy of the Jedi. And so, uh, a good start. One little interesting tidbit, we know, of course, in Phase 1, that the Nameless and the Leveler, um, you know, both at the end of uh, uh, Rising Storm and Fallen Star, they, they dust people. They completely, especially the more far sensitive you are. Here they aren't doing that yet, 150 years earlier. Uh, in all the instances we've seen of the Nameless and the Leveler that haven't full-on dusted, Thanos-dusted people into these husks. Um, maybe it's something they have to learn to do. Maybe it's something the path slash the Nile need to teach them. I don't know. I'm sure they'll develop that story. But yeah, uh, promising start for this book. Okay, Yoda number four, written by Jody Hauser, art by Luke Ross, covered by Phil Noto. And this is the first uh, of an arc. Uh, I forget what the actual arc is called. But yeah, these three bo- three book arcs, arc number one, arc issues one to three, again, set during the High Republic era, sometime in there. Uh, this one set a yeah, good uh, few decades before the Phantom Menace, I gather, um, Master Dooku. Coming in. Anyway, I'll actually, actually read the uh, description first. Years before the Clone Wars, there's my answer, years. <laughs> Yoda asks an old friend to come teach the next generation of Jedi alongside him, Master Dooku. And with mysterious visions haunting one of his students, Master Yoda will need all the help he can get. So yeah, again, Jody Hauser has taken over from Calvin Scott in writing this book because it's set in a different era. Although, interestingly enough, it's set in an era that... Kevin Scott himself has written in with characters he's written for. Um, he's written Master Dooku and written very well. And, and I really loved how this picked up Dooku's relationship to the Jedi and to the Temple and to prophecy specifically. Uh, that's something also Claudia Gray, Master and Apprentice, has picked up. Dooku comes to the Temple and... He, he observes and helps train this young Wookiee initiate named Kursish that uh, Yoda ha- is part of Yoda's core of initiates. Of course, Yoda is always training initiates to keep, he's training kids to keep him honest. Um, throughout, yeah, you know, we see the attack of the clones. We see that in High Republic Phase 1. Um, anyway, he's there and he brings Dooku in to, to also maybe keep him honest and keep him grounded. We don't know. Uh, what Yoda's motivation is there. But uh, Dooku encounters, again, this young Wookiee initiate, another Wookiee Jedi post-George Lucas, named Kursish. And, of course, Kursish. It's fascinating. One of his friends is a Trandoshan. And there's a line that Yoda says, they've grown up away from the historic prejudices, the the historic conflict between Trandoshans and Wookiee. Hunting, the hunter and the prey. And yet, Kursish has this dream, this force vision, if you will, of uh, Trandoshans hunting Wookiees and Wookiees fighting against Trandoshans. And, uh, and, and Kursish goes to the, the, the temple archives. Dooku's there, and Dooku has this special interest in, in this kid, just the way he would require Qui-Gon to 
studied these these prophecies. Qui-Gon later developed that special interest in prophecies. Grisish seems to have it already. And um, all of this, I think, leading up to, just like in Tales of the Jedi, very much, of course, in Dooku Jedi Lost and in, uh, uh, in Master and Apprentice, leading to Dooku having this sense that, first of all, not all is right with the Jedi Order. And also, part of it connected to it is this uh, yearning to go deeper into the mysteries of the Force. Yearning to have more trust, if you will, more take more interest in prophecies. Um, of course, the problem with prophecies that Yoda and, and Mace Windu say is they can be twisted to mean whatever you want. <laughs> That's another issue that the prequels do bring up that Dooku Jedi Lost has brought up. Um, interesting mention there of, of Sifo-Dyas and the difficult path he has because he can't help but get these haunting, mysterious visions. And by this time, he's more or less able to control it. We know, or, or not control, but more or less able to function and go out and be a master himself. We know how well that goes in the end. But um, right now... It's just interesting to see, you know, Yoda, Yoda in this book, in the first arc and in this one, almost a lens, if you will. Well, I mean, it's a strange lens, but he's almost a lens on other things happening in the galaxy. First, it was that that planet with with Bree and um, the conflict with that other species, and as an example of the wider ineptitude of the Jedi to intervene, the need for the Jedi to intervene. Um, you know, Yoda isn't really the main character in those. He's you know, he's an observer and and, and a support. Uh, Dooku and Kursish in this seem like to, to be the more interesting main characters, if you will, as Yoda brings them along. Um, there's a framing reference, framing device in this book as well. Some some voice we need to talk on Yoda on Dagobah, meditating on his failures. Hopefully his successes, but also his failures um, to to guide the galaxy. I mean, the, that first arc is all about revenge and um, claims to justice, uh, violent claims to justice through revenge and reciprocation. This one, yeah, probably something to do with, uh, not again, not all being right with the Jedi, but connected to it, again, with... Dooku is uh, a sense of what can visions do, what can prophecies, uh, what kind of truths might they hold. And that's something that Yoda and Mace Windu uh, aren't open to in this time period for various reasons. Probably because they can be twisted, but also because Yoda and Dooku and the count, or, or Windu and the council, they need to get on with their day. They need to get on with leading the business, doing the business of the Jedi. That's the conflict course we see in Dooku Jedi Lost as well uh I wonder I, I'm guessing that's Qui-Gon saying we need to talk maybe it's Obi-Wan saying we need to talk maybe there's some connection there to the Empire Strikes Back or is it the, the new hope from a certain point of view of Yoda and Dagobah saying you know Leia's coming yeah Sky, young Skywalker Leia Skywalker Leia, Leia Organa uh and, and Obi-Wan says, no, it's Luke coming <laughs> to him, um, waiting the special visitor. We'll see. I know they'll show 
who that person is. I'm glad they don't spend very much time with Yoda and Dagobah in this in this comic, in this whole run. Uh, that's that could be overdone. Um, it's just a way of leading us into the story. So, uh, more promising book. Uh, I'm very much enjoying it, and see what comes next. Finally, Afra number twenty nine, written by Alyssa Wong. Um, uh, I think Natasha Bustos was the art. I accidentally deleted her last name there. Uh, covered by Emanuela Lupacino. Uh, to the bone, the spark eternal sets its sights on Crimson Dawn. As Sanastaros and Magnetolvan race to intercept it, will Dr. Afra's most desperate gambit pay off, or will she be lost to the spark eternal forever? Oh my word, this is Afra at her Afraest. Uh, Afra had her weirdest. Going in and being able to see the full history of the Spark Eternal, uh, this conflict that you know, the uh, you know, mural had this sort of light side version of the Spark, and and her left hand, this uh, uh, Twi'lek pursued the dark side version, and then needing to go and this uh, going to this other planet. And having this replica of the um, uh, the Barleth temple uh, for this, the ascended, and, and yeah, having this whole almost this ritual of purging of the imbalance or purging the division between light and dark, involving uh, you know potentially torturing Sith, and 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 that that mural or Kirill mural didn't approve of this. She definitely was more in favor of the light side. Um, yeah, it kind of almost makes me think of uh, the the uh, Zepho with Elrom ultimately be falling to the dark side, having the Zepho fall to the dark side. This this inevitable grasping for power. And the way, if you're filled with power, you inevitably grasp for it. Um, again, this was such a fascinating issue. Diving into the weird and the ancient and mysterious... And yet also the intensely personal and, um, you know, Kirill, seeing Kirill have to kill her friend or, or not have to, but, you know, purging the spark in order to make it strong and combining the, the dark light spark with the dark spark and all that seeing Afra cry. And, and that's the, the most poignant moment there. I, I don't know. She, maybe she's averting her eyes from the light, but there's no light there seeing Afra cry because of the death of this left hand person in order for for the sake of the spark to quote unquote be strong in order to defeat the Sith. Uh, two points there again. First of all, I think I'm right that this whole experience is bringing out a more personable, more real and authentic Afra, who is going to be a bit more heroic, be more in touch with her needs and the needs of others, not the expense of others um, and not at the expense of herself. Not always being so, uh, so scoundrelly and sardonic, is that? Also, of course, the Spark Eternal has this mission to defeat the Sith. Where does that sound familiar? Well, enter the whole plan with Kofan uh, Ferris and the uh, Fermata Cage, and uh, everything involving uh, Kira's plan to defeat the Sith and um, to lure Vader and Palpatine into some sort of trap, but also to lure the Spark Eternal into some sort of trap. This is Kofan Ferris's side story 
that connects to the main story and is probably going to collide with the main story. And so that's another thing I appreciate about this is the main story being the Hidden Empire plotline. Talked about this, how it's not really a crossover except for, I think, in this Afrocomic. And so that, that was more interesting, more enjoyable. Uh, I will say Afro right now at this moment has become my favorite book because it's exploring this everything with the Ascendant and uh, the Spark Eternal while, say, the Vader comic and the ongoing comic are in this, these weird holding patterns. I know next week, and I'll get to next week in a second, um, that might change and that will change. But uh, for now, that is what the tractor being dragged in this week. Let me know what you thought of The Nameless on the Loose, Master Dooku observing Kursish in the temple, or Afra discovering the high drama of the Spark Eternal. Let us know on Twitter or Instagram at IonKenandPod. Speaking of next week, there is another mother load, another record-breaking five news stories. There's also Mandalorian, but I haven't been following up with that. Five news stories, including three by the favorite Charles Soule. Those three are High Republic the Blade number four, art by Jethro Morales, covered by the great Giuseppe Camincoli. Hidden Empire number four, Stephen Cummings with the art, Paolo Sequera with the cover, The Endgame Gambit Approaches. Interesting. And ongoing number 32, art by Matabek Muzabekov, covered by Steven Segovia, which also looks like it will tie back into the Crimson Dawn Kira Saga. Um, Kira Saga. Kurosawa, Kira Saga, uh, who knows how or what, clearly they get out of no space somehow. Um, also check out the John Tyler Christopher Jar Jar Binks action figure variant. I'm going to definitely pick that one up. Looking forward to that. I hope that one sells like hotcakes. Show Jar Jar some love. Go out and buy that book. Go out and buy that variant. Also coming out, of course, uh, Hyperspace Stories number four, finally written by Emmett Debert art and believe cover by Lucas Morangon, Previews World and Dark Horse. The website don't actually say who the cover is by, but there's a cover there. Someone must have drawn it. It's likely Lucas Morangon doing both. And probably the most important, do not sleep on this, Han and Chewie number 10. Believe it or not, Mark Guggenheim uh, written, David Messina with the art, Phil Noto with the cover. The keys to the next Star Wars event begin here. I'm pretty sure that's Ajax Sigma and the droid Gotra. All that news that came out just yesterday, I believe. Um, it starts now. It starts here on Wednesday. We're Obviously, it's not the summer yet, so it isn't the big event of the summer, but this Han and Chewie book is going to fulfill its promise of ultimately connecting in with the rest of the Star Wars comics verse. Pop by your local comic shop for physical copies of the books I reviewed today. Or if digital is more your speed, click the links in the description below. As always, please like and subscribe to the Star Wars Underworld YouTube page. Follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and on Twitter and Instagram at Iron Cannon Pod. Keep it locked on the full Iron Cannon Podcast live on that Star Wars Underworld YouTube channel on Iron Cannon's Twitter and Twitch. Coming to you this and every Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, where we will definitely get into that news about the summer crossover involving... Uh, Han and Chewie number uh, number 10 this Wednesday and the, the summer crossover overall uh, yeah so eight, uh, this mon- this and every Monday 5pm Pacific 8pm Eastern and then right here on Spotify and Apple Podcasts until then happy reading